You're listening to another sermon podcast presented by Chelsea Presbyterian Church. Located in Chelsea, Alabama, we value community, fellowship, and love for people from all walks of life. For more information, find us online at www.chelseaprez.org or check us out on Facebook. All right, uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis 22, 9 through 14. If you do not have your Bible with you today, uh, do not fret. As always, we have it printed in the order of worship. Over the last uh, couple of weeks, uh, we have been examining the names of God. And the purpose is not to just have knowledge of a list of names of God, but realize that each of those names are actually an opportunity to know more about God, and even more so, I hope, that you see them as ways that God is revealing himself to his people, and in turn, wanting to draw you into a deep friendship, a deep relationship with him. So let's jump right into looking at a profound story today from Scripture. Uh, and let's only read the first verse in the beginning for emphasis, and then we'll look at the other ones later. Genesis 22.9 says, and when they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Father God, show us what you would have us to see today. Um, may you um, give me clarity when you send your Holy Spirit that we guide us in, in truth and wisdom today, penetrate our hearts, give us the eyes to see a bigger picture of you. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Now, I'm not an expert in history in any means, but one of my favorite uh, sections in history to study is actually the Middle Ages. Uh, it's a time of Vikings, a time of kings, a time of monks, a time of knights. Uh, and one of the highlights for me is studying the names and the titles that people were given during this time in their lifetime. Uh, names like Ivan the Boneless or Pippin the Short, uh, Richard the Lionhearted, Philip the Tall, Charles the Bald. It's not hard to figure out what these people look like, right? Um, Edward Longshanks. And it's fun because the names are so descriptive. And the folks back then, as you probably know, didn't really have last names. Uh, later, uh, last names developed when they had someone that uh, named John who was a baker and became John Baker, which is differentiated from uh, John who was a blacksmith that would be called John Smith. So that's how they differentiated. That's how it came about. Names became shaped by vocation, by titles, and by descriptions of these people. One of my favorite movies of all times is The Gladiator. Uh, how, many, how many folks have actually seen that movie, The Gladiator, Russell Crowe? Okay. Throughout the movie, here you have Russell Crowe, who plays the gladiator, who for the majority of the, read, the, the movie is called The Spaniard. And he always wears an iron mask in the arena when he's fighting. Eventually, he is forced to take the mask off and reveal who he really is. And this is what he said. He said, my name is Maximus Decimus, commander of the armies of the north, general of the Felix Legions, loyal servant to the true emperor, Marcus Aurelius, father to a murdered son, husband to a murdered wife, and I will have my vengeance 
in this life or the next. See, when the gladiator asserts this title, this name, this identity, uh, it's not just defining who he is and given his given name, but also his character, as well as his relationships in life and his purpose. As was the case with the gladiator in that movie, God's name not only reveals his person and his identity, but also, as we're going to see today, his character, his relationships, even his activities that he does, and his purposes in the world, even today. So let's look at this passage. We're going to look at three points today. We're going to talk about the dilemma, uh, and you can see the outline in the, in the order of worship. We're going to talk about the dilemma. We're going to talk about the intervention, and then we're going to talk about the provision, which has everything to do with the name of God that we're dealing with today, Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. Look at verse 9 here. We'll read it again. When they came to the place of which God had told them, Abraham built an altar there, and he laid the wood in order, and he bound Isaac his son, and he laid him on top of the altar, on top of the wood. Now we have already stated that the names of God find meaning within the stories of the Bible. If you if you want to really understand the names of God and who He is, you've got to know the stories of the Bible and these relationships that He has with His people. And this is a rather interesting, even an odd story in my mind in the Bible. See, one day, God comes to Abraham and He says, Abraham, I want you to take your son Isaac, the son that you dearly love, up to the mountains and sacrifice him on an altar. Whoa. Hang on. What? I mean, did God really ask Abraham to do this? Yes. Is Abraham willing to do this? Yes. But this doesn't make sense of what we know about God and our perspective of a loving God. And these are the stories that people misunderstand if they think there's a God, two different kinds of God, one that's just a God of justice and hate and wrath in the Bible, and one God of love, that's not the that's not the same thing. I mean, it's not it's not two different things. It's the same thing. God says I never change. He's the same thing. So what does this mean? What are we to make of this? Of God asking Abraham to do this, and to make matters worse, when Abraham and his son start work walking up the mountain, Isaac asks his dad, Father. Where's the animal that we're going to sacrifice? And Abraham, avoiding the question, probably with tears welling up in his eyes, says, Son, God will provide the sacrifice. And then Abraham goes about the work of painstakingly preparing the altar. And he tells his son to lie down on the altar. And at that moment, Isaac realizes that he is to be the sacrifice. Can you imagine the emotions? Can you imagine the sadness, the anguish that both Abraham and Isaac are going through? I mean, it's more than I can bear just thinking about it. Why, God? Why are you doing this? I mean, I love you, God. I have been faithful to you. I have trusted you. And this is what you're asking of me? But also, it was nothing new in Abraham's mind, kind of. Here's the reason why. In the world that Abraham lived in, there were a lot of nations with a lot of so-called prophets and so-called religions that required child sacrifices. At this point, the one true God 
looked like he was requiring the same thing as every other God at that time. But we are about to see the difference. And the next point is so important, the intervention. Look at verse 10. Then Abraham reached out his hand and he took the knife to slaughter his son. And the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here am I. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Okay, major plot twist here. Abraham, in obedience to God, raises the knife to kill his son. Isaac, obedience to the, in the obedience to his father, is just lying there to take it. And then we have divine intervention. See, what we realize at this point is God never intended Abraham to kill his son. Yet Abraham didn't know that. And he submitted in faith even when it didn't make sense. Even when what God was asking of him was a mystery at that time. Was it a test of Abraham's faith? Isaac's faith? You better believe it. But here's the thing. It's so much more. Let's look at this third point. Verse 13. And, I, uh, and Abraham lifted his eyes and looked. And behold, behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by the horns. And Abraham went and he took the ram. And he offered it as a burnt sacrifice instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of this place, The Lord Will Provide. As it is to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Now here in the middle of this crazy story, Abraham gets it. The whole time, Abraham believed that God would provide and wholeheartedly had faith in God when nothing else made sense. And then he understands God in a way that he never would have without going through that trauma and that anguish that God brought him through. And in the end, he describes God in a way that he fully didn't understand before. But now he does. A new name, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. The Lord who provides for you and me and for his people. See, the way that God works in the world is a mystery. The way that it practically works out sometimes is that God allows things to happen and presents situations in our life that we just don't understand. And our hearts and our minds ask God, why am I having to suffer so much? God, why does my friend or my family member have to suffer so much? Why did they have to die? Why does life have to be so hard? Why is the world so evil and broken? And sometimes, and maybe most of the time, we will never get an answer in this lifetime. But part of the answer that we can know lies in examining the question of why did God put Abraham and his son Isaac through this in the first place? Why does he do that? He does it to show them a bigger picture, and us a bigger picture, of who he is so that we can come to know him in a more personal way and to point to himself as the ultimate provider in our lives, Jehovah Jireh a new name and a new way for us and all of us to understand him in a more intimate way and in turn 
deepen our dependence upon God as we learn that we can trust Him as a provider, enter into a deeper relationship with Him. We all know this, depending on God and not ourselves is a harder way to live, but it's so much more satisfying way to live. It's the opposite of self-reliance. If you wake up in the morning, and here's a litmus test here of do you really trust God. If you wake up in the morning, you have this feeling that it's all up to you to carve out a good way of life, to make a living for yourself and for your family, that you're the one in charge of life and making all the good decisions to keep things going right and well, then you are missing the point that we're talking about today. And you're inviting stress and anxiety in your life. And you're dismissing the fact that God alone is your provider and willing and waiting for you to acknowledge that and step out on faith in the actions of your life to show that you understand that. And when you do rely on God as your provider, as the Jehovah Jireh that He is, you will experience a freedom from anxiety and pain, uh, stress that you have never felt before. Uh, in the end, think about this. There's a if you've uh, never seen this before, this is the Jesus Storybook Bible. If you have any children in your life, young children especially, in your life, I would urge you to get this book. That's one of the best I've seen uh, for what it is. And uh, matter of fact, Marissa and I still to this day, we used to read this to Alexandria. We go back as adults and read it. So uh, it's one of those things because it puts things so clearly. But in dealing with this same story, listen to this. At the end of the story, it says, many years later, another son would climb another hill, carrying wood on his back. Like Isaac, he would trust his father and do what his father asked, and he wouldn't struggle or run away. Who was he? He was God's son, his only son, the son that God loved, the Lamb of God. See, here in the end, where... God refused to allow Abraham to sacrifice his son. God did not hold back. God sacrificed his son. The ultimate sacrifice, making provision for his people in a way that we can never make on our own. Rest in that provision today. He has done the work so you don't have to. Think about the sacrifice that he has made through Jesus to enable you to look to him for life and provision as your Jehovah Jireh today. Let's pray. Father God, thank you uh, for just who you are, the way you reveal yourself to us. Uh, we're, we're so bent on works-based salvation. We just think we need to do it right. We always view you. We go back to the default mode of thinking that it's all up to us and that you love us more when we do the right things and less when we do the wrong things. And Lord, your son came to blow that mentality up. Remind us that it's not about religion, but about relationship. It's not about our working, but it's about your grace. Uh, Lord, would you help us to trust you today and depend on you as our Jehovah Jireh. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you've enjoyed today's sermon. We want to remind our listeners that our doors are always open at Chelsea Presbyterian Church, and we invite all our listeners to join us for worship. You can visit us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at Chelsea Middle School. 
To hear more of our sermons from our church or for more information, you can find us online at www.chelseapres.org or check us out on Facebook.